Hey everyone, this is X O'Connor, and you are listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Today's episode kicks off our podcast series, and first up, we have an absolute force of nature when it comes to not only producing records, but also composing and producing for film, TV, and video. His name, Tommy Prophet. He's worked with artists like NF, Colton Dixon, and Britt Nicole, and you can hear his work in shows such as Empire, Quantico, and NCIS, just to name a few. Tommy takes us through his journey and gives us an incredible peek into his process and the tools he uses to create sonic landscapes heard both on radio and on TV. So no matter what you do in music, Tommy has something for you. You're going to want to listen close on this one. And remember, this is just the first of a four-part series we're doing this month. So be on the lookout for lots more production-related good times to be had throughout October. And so to keep up with all that we've got going on in the Full Circle Music world, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at OfficialFCMusic. Okay, buckle up. This week's episode is going to be a fun one. So let's get into the chat with Tommy Prophet. So we're here in the studio of the Full Circle Music in Matt Hammett's writing room, actually, yep. today. Live from the writing room. We're in a change like of scenery. It's an amazing because, room. Yeah, good vibes, good smells. Nice couch. And we're here with Tommy Prophet, who is the newest Nashvilleian. Three weeks? Three weeks. Moved three weeks ago today. Well, welcome to town, man. Yeah, this is how I wanted to spend my three week. Three week you know, anniversary. Three week anniversary. <laughs> Sitting on this a couch is... talking to a couple dudes about music. Yeah. And funny awesome. enough, Nick, who is having his last day interning with us, came in and he's like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Did he shadow with you? Yeah, he did a high school project or college project. I don't he did a project one yeah. time and needed to shadow somebody and he came in for a couple of days and we hung out. And that was in Grand Rapids. Yeah. And that's where you're from. So I moved here to get away from him. Now he's here. So <laughs> he's like, here. He's following you, man. So are you thinking twice about it now? Now that you know I'm that we've to go back. this kind of commotion might here. Might have to go back. We've got technology, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what? why, I mean, man, your name has just been all over the place. So like, why just now move to Nashville? Like, I thought you lived here before. I know. I think everybody knew we were going to move here before we did. So even when we told family and friends, they were all like, well, yeah, we thought you'd be gone by now, you know? So yeah. I think it just got to a point where I kept, I was traveling here all the time, spending a week here. And I would cram like 10 to 12 sessions in five days, like Monday through Friday a week. Mm. And then go home with that massive workload, you know what I mean? And then yeah. have to try to turn it in. And, you know, like you spend Monday through Friday and you do two or three sessions a day. You drive home Saturday and then on Monday, everyone's texting me, hey, when do you think I'll get to hear that track? And I'm like, yeah. I haven't even plugged my computer back in yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 10 hour drive? <clears throat> yeah. From Grand Rapids, it was about an eight or nine hour drive. Okay. And so, so, and how often were you making that trip here? I was doing like a week long trip every six to eight weeks. Wow. <laughs> That's some dedication right so, there. <laughs> and here's the thing. So I'm married and I have three kids now. We just had a baby six months ago. So like... You know, I was leaving my wife with, you know, the three kids and that was really hard. And then I started losing a lot, a lot of opportunity because I wasn't down here. And, you know, I'd have people be like, oh, there's an artist in town. We want to get you with them. Can you come, you know, and work with them tomorrow? And I was like, if I left right now, I couldn't make it, you know? Yeah, and I'm not going to leave my wife with three kids, like, last minute. Yeah. Right, and just be like, hey, I got to go yeah. right now. So, Man, and I applaud you for that, for the discipline of... 
Because, man, that's an area where a lot of our peers kind of fail at is like, Mm. you know, they go so hard after this passion or this career at the expense of like whatever it costs. Right. So I applaud you for that, Mm. for, you know, finding ways to make it work with your family. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, my wife is just unbelievably supportive. (laughs) Unbelievably supportive. (laughs) That's like the Katy Perry song, Unconditional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She literally like, I mean, she's the only reason I'm able to do what I do because of her support and wanting me to get opportunities. And even moving here was a super big deal for her. Like she was someone who never imagined moving from Michigan ever. Because family or what? Yeah, they're just really close and she's just, you know, she's comfortable there and like, she's just, you know, I never pictured her wanting to and when I approached her, I was like, look, I have a proposal. I said, I'm, this isn't like, I would never make you do this. I just want to, let's talk about it together as a team and let's talk, you know, talk about it and see how it goes. And we made a pros and cons list and there was two cons and 40 pros. And so we're like, <laughs> that's, that's overwhelmingly we're like, uh, tip to one side. Let's pray about it for confirmation. Yeah. But I mean, she was the one that said, look, let's just face it. We are going to move. And I'm actually excited about it. And wow. I was like, who are you? You know, yeah. it just made sense for our family on every level in every way. So, yeah, you know, we just finally made the plunge. Well, man, we've talked a lot about that with people of just like the whole Nashville move and like, is it actually necessary to work in the business? Mm. Talk about some of the, I mean, you, you brought up, like you felt like you lost a lot of opportunity by not living here. Yeah. And I think I didn't even know a year ago today, I had no clue we were going to move. So it was kind of like a quick thing. I remember it was a Friday at the end of one of my trips. I was fried. I was packing up my computer and literally in a split second, it was like the veil was lifted off my eyes and it was just like, what am I doing? Like, why are we not down here all the time? Every trip is amazing and they're getting better and better, you know? But I think for me, it was just like, it was working for a while. It was like, oh, we can stay here and I can just go and still be plugged in and involved. And I don't think we would have moved unless it got to the point where like, we had to. Like, I waited until it was like, we have to move. There's really no other choice unless it's getting very difficult and hard for our family and, you know, my kids are getting a little older. I mean, they're five and three, but they're now at the age where it's like, when I would leave, they would like cry and be really sad. And that just rips your heart out. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I can't even imagine. I, I just know like leaving my daughter and I mean, my house is literally up 10 stairs. Yeah. And <laughs> it's literally above us. It's literally above us. And my right. daughter is like, dad, I don't want you to go to work. I don't want you to go to work, but like, I'll be home in eight hours. Like, I right. can't even imagine, like, I mean, artists do it all the time, obviously. It's a right. touring thing, but I mean, that has to take its toll in some ways. Yeah. I mean, that was a big reason on top of it just being hard on my wife, but she was like supportive of it. It was still hard. It was like a sacrifice she was making, you know? Yeah. Then we both saw it as like, man, this is hard for the kids and it's going to get harder. And like, I want to be one of those dads that's like around, like this is going to affect them. Like I want to be around and, you know, granted, it's not like I would leave for months at a time, you know? Sure. But like, I was just like, man, like they really, like, I think it's important. I want to be the kind of dad who's like there and like solid. And my wife said like, man, you're just kind of like the solid foundation. And when you leave, things are just fragile and they fall apart. And when you get back, everything, you know, falls back in order. I think either parent has that kind of presence in the family, you know? Well, that's the thing. Having the dad around, I'm a big believer in that. And my wife would say this same exact thing that, 
I mean, huge credit to our wives that, yeah, they're warriors and they run the fort, but there's something about, you know, kids having their dad around. It's totally. a huge thing. So we talked a little bit before the interview just about the grind of <laughs> how long it essentially took. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, What was it like for you yeah. coming into music? It's basically working your butt off for about 12 years before it turned into a full-time comfortable thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I worked at a college, you know, for six years while I was also traveling with a band and recording other people as well as our own band. And like music was a huge thing, but then I still had a full-time job, you know, teaching. I was in the worship program at um, a school in Grand Rapids. So I was training worship leaders and leading worship in the chapel and like still, like I was still involved in music, but as far as just, you know, producing and traveling and playing all this stuff, I mean, we did it for, you know, over a decade. And it really was just like, you know, when people wanted to hang out on the weekends, it was kind of like, I can't, we're playing at this place or, hey, we're going to all go to Applebee's tonight for, you know, appetizers. And it was like, I got to record a song tonight. I can't, you know, so it's just kind of like some discipline and some sacrifices along the way for a very long time and just not giving up. I feel like a lot of people, too many people are not doing their passion because they they don't want to juggle two jobs. And after the one, they're like fried and they want to just, you know, watch Netflix and go on their phone. And then next thing you know, they're working at Walgreens. Yeah. It's like, do you want to do that yeah. when you're 40? And it's like, you had this huge dream, this huge like goal you wanted to go for. Like, I don't want anyone to be working somewhere that they don't want to be when they have this huge potential to do something. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think we've heard it a little bit before too. A lot of people are sometimes shocked with the amount of time that it actually does take to just establish yourself like on a, it's like a permanent fixture in making music. Like I know in our own stories, like there was definitely time when it was like, we are just paying our dues right now, doing whatever mm-hmm. we can work. Like I know when I yeah. first started on my own stacking bands, like I had a band coming in there recording 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then another band's coming in. They're doing like 3 to like 1 a.m. And then then just, you need to find time yeah. to edit all of that yeah, exactly. and work yeah. on it. Yeah. No, yeah. I totally, I understand, man. Yeah, it can be super crazy. And I think just the work ethic and everything, it's like some of it's obviously like, you know, God-given, you know, to certain individuals. But So was there a driving force keeping you going through like, all the extra jobs and everything. Like, was there like an eye on the prize that you had? Something you just wanted to do to just, that made going through all that worth it? I think I just couldn't picture doing anything else but music. Like music, it has to be something you eat, sleep and breathe and it's who you are and it's all you, you know, like it's all you can imagine yourself doing. Like how much music is enough? If you're good, like I'm just going to play the bass on Sunday morning once a week. Like, well, you're probably not going to end up doing music full time with your life if you're okay with that much. It's got to be like, man, I just wanted, that's all I can see myself doing. You know what I mean? That's huge. So 10 to 12 years of working essentially another job while you're doing stuff on nights and weekends. Mm. What was the turning point that kind of let you quit your full-time job to just jump in? I played a lot out. And then when I had my first kid, it was kind of like, how is this going to work? You know, we were playing like, hundred some days out of the year. I'm like, how is this going to work? You know, having kids and all as like looking ahead, kind of like this is going to hit a wall. So I was just like, what should I do? And I remember very specifically, I prayed like, 
hey, like, God, I appreciate that you're giving me options, but I'm not good with decisions and I can't decide what I want to eat at a restaurant. So how am I supposed to make a life path choice like this, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, should I produce? Should I just pour into the artist thing and try to bring my family into that? Should I lead at a church? Should I just work at this college? Like, which one should I do? Make the decision for me. And almost instantly, like things just started falling into place. And to make a long story short, we found a new house that we bought to build a studio in the basement. And I was just kind of thinking, I'm going to work really hard for like a year or two to kind of see if I can make it go full time while I'm working at the college. And, and what was that? Was that you producing your own music? Was that you producing other bands? I was going to start producing more people as a business more prevalently. I mostly did just our own band. Mm. You know, I was like, I wonder if I could work really hard. So I remember it was a Monday in June. It was like, I just finished. I had the summer off from college. I had June and July off. Monday, first Monday of June, I started working. And by Friday, I had like eight months booked out. And I was like, I can't go back to the yeah. college. And the best <laughs> part about the story is I can't take any credit for it. I didn't do anything. Like I didn't even tell people I was building a studio. I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> people were writing from like one dude from South Dakota emailed me and said, Hey, I heard you're, you know, you built a studio. I'd love to record a project with you. And then someone from Grand Rapids was, you know, like, Hey, I really was praying about doing a project. I'd love for you to do it. And like someone from New York, someone from Florida, I'm like, how did this happen? Like, I love that I can say God like did the most unbelievably impossible in my mind thing. Yeah. And in a week it was like full time. So I had to like... You kind of booked yourself out of a job. Yeah. I had an album a month booked and you know how stupid that is. It was insane. <laughs> and being kind of newer at it too, at the time I was like charging way like not enough where I could like do a full album every month and that was barely making it. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, talk about that too. Cause I know, I mean, a lot of people that listening to this are music producers or artists or songwriters who are really wanting to learn music production, yep. part of the music production series. A big struggle is the business side. Like people yeah. mm. get so stuck on it. Well, how do I make the record sound so good? But then from there, like people don't realize that you have to be as much of an entrepreneur yep. as you do a, music maker. How did you, you know, learn to essentially run your own business? And like, how did that work for you? How are you figuring out like how much to charge people? Well, it's interesting because like, I've always kind of thought entrepreneurially, you know? Entrepreneurial. <laughs> Entrepreneurially. That's a great somewhere. word. Yes. Yeah, great word. <laughs> I've always thought that way. And I was like, you know, I was like, okay, this is what we could do to make it work. But then when you don't finish an album that month and then the next person's coming in, you're like, shoot, I need to finish that one and do all this tracking. And then now I have two albums to mix. And then the next person comes in, I was backing up. Just I got into a point where I was like, so frantic. And I'm still traveling with my band on the weekends. And it's just insanity. One of the guys from my band was like, dude, if you need help, like I can help. He was really good with like Pro Tools yeah, and yeah, recording stuff. Yeah. And literally he became my full-time assistant <laughs> like very quickly because I like needed it. And I was like, with you helping me, like we could do twice the amount of work still, you know what I mean? He's freeing up so much time and I could take on more. So it more than paid for itself. You know what I mean? Like you have to invest, you know, in order to get a return. So he worked with me for over three years and that was amazing. But I guess from, you know, as far as how much to charge and all that, like it's funny because I think you set a rate or whatever, and then you book a bunch of things. And then when you're going through it, you're like, Oh, 
that's not enough. I need yeah. to change. But I already have six to eight months booked at this rate. So, all right, starting next spring, right. I'll change my rate. <laughs> so you have to wait six to eight months until you get to that new rate. Yeah, It's just bad. You don't want to pull out yeah. on a deal you've given somebody. Right, yeah. Like, obviously, there's a contract and everything. So you wait six to eight months and you get to the new rate and then you feel it out and then you say, okay, I need to change my rate here. I need to book space bookings out a little bit more. But now you have another six months you have to wait. So it was about a year and a half of like, you know, waiting and figuring out, okay, this is good. This is what I need to continue to do and like yeah. do things this way, you know? <laughs> but it was quite the process. Like it was crazy. Without that guy that helped me, I would literally would be dead right now. What were some of the things, I mean, having an assistant is huge if you're a music producer. What were some of the things that he was helping you do? Obviously, as if you're the producer and someone wants to work with you for a certain reason, like there's certain things that you have to be the one that does it, you know, mm-hmm. building a track or whatever sound or whatever you do that, you know, is yeah. your thing. But there's a lot of busy work that's like someone competent needs to do it, but as long as they know, like anyone could kind of do it. So like yeah. tuning vocals, editing, time correcting drums, time correcting guitars, bass, printing stems, bouncing files. And you know what I mean? Just all of that stuff that's just time consuming. It's just, I would sit there for a whole day and oh, yeah. do that stuff, you know? And when he could come in and he would come in every night at 6 p.m. and stay till 2 or 3 a.m. And it was just like the best feeling in the world to come up and eat dinner with my family and watch TV with my wife and be like, work is getting done right now and yeah. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. It was like the best feeling totally. ever, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's totally the definition of owning your own business is something that works when you leave. And yes, it's a little different because like you said, I mean, music, people are hiring us as producers because we do a certain thing. Right. So what is your thing? Like I went on your website and the credits are pretty insane. Like, Quantico, 24, Bones, all these huge, just major hit TV shows. Are you like the lead actor for those? Or what's yeah. the... I am. Because you have great secret. hair. So yeah. it's a secret. I, was, <laughs> I wear masks in every show. And you don't, it's all me. Yeah. Yeah. I have fallen into a cinematic role that I love to death. And I think that's kind of a thing, like as far as people come like, hey, can you add some of your like string stuff in this song? Or, you know what I mean? Like, Orchestral string libraries are my chronic addiction. Orchestral string libraries. <laughs> yes, yeah, string okay. libraries. There might brass. be a group for that. Yeah, there is. I hope so. Please give me OSL information if there is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Strings, brass choir, big drums, like anything like you would hear in like the background of like a Marvel movie trailer, you know, like the big like cinematic thing. Like a lot of people are probably wondering that. How much of that's real now? And how much of it's programmed? Probably not very much. I know for Movie scores, yeah, you know, they try to at least use big budget movies, they'll want a full or like a real orchestra. But for promos and trailers, man, like it's companies and guys that sit nowadays, though, it's almost like the difference is negligible. Almost when, like, I mean, I'm actually you know playing, but it's an actual real sample of someone who did play the string, so you know what I mean. The sound quality has gotten so good that you almost, yeah, and they make libraries now with articulations and controls that you can really dial in and make them move and feel like human. Like, I mean, it takes work, you want to make them you know move a certain way, so it's not just like block chords, you know. Yeah, (laughs) so what what are some of your favorites lately, like favorite string library? Oh, dude, okay, I found 
the string library called Berlin Strings. Have you heard oh, of yeah. that? Berlin Strings. I, I've heard of Berlin Strings. Berlin Strings is that, by is that... orchestraltools.com. Yes. Okay, yeah. It's probably one of the most expensive libraries that's out there. Like but a man, grand or two grand or what? It's two grand if you buy the full... Like they have a couple expansions okay. and... Dude, they're you just, need the expansions, or can you just get the basic? Thing you can get the get basic going. one. The basic one's like that basic ensemble, but then the extra articulations that they have are like really soft and like different tones that that are really cool for certain things if you're doing it. And then they have a first chairs expansion, which is more like a solo thing. Yeah. That first of all, that first chairs expansion, you can buy just the expansion. You don't have to buy the full library, but. Dude, Do they work just with native instruments? Contact player. Yeah, it's contact player. Dude, it's unbelievable. And if you layer the first chairs. Over the ensemble patches, they're just pretty just awesome. Sits together, yeah. unbelievable. I mean, it's honestly, I have probably thirty string libraries, and since I got that one, it's all I've used probably ninety five percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. And what about choir? Like you brought up choir libraries, dude. This is, I'm actually anxious to hear the answer to this one. <laughs> okay, for choir, hands down, eight do requiem professional choir. Okay. I actually That's, was listening yeah. to a demo of that on their website. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, it's all I use for my trailer stuff and promos. I mean, it's like, what does it sound like? Is it like a boys' choir kind of vibe, or like? No, it's the like full... like literally imitate it right now. Like, <laughs> you know, like you know the big like choir that you hear in the background of like oh, trailers, yeah. where it's like, and they're saying some Greek syllables or whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> That's <laughs> so actually a control is Greek syllables. Yeah. <laughs> the, the staccato and the long patches, it's just like, no. But they have other choirs. They do have a kid's choir. Oh, wow. Which is just beautiful. And then they have a, a choir that's just softer. It's not epic and like, whoa. It's kind of just like more tender and stuff. Requiem uh, choir. Yeah. Dude, Requiem um, is... We're going there after this. What about Go brass? There. Brass. Okay, here's the thing. There's a lot of brass libraries. Berlin Brass is very good, but it doesn't get to like triple forte, which is, I'm like all about like the super massive epic moments, sounds. right? So yeah. it works. It's really good. But 8DO actually just came out with Century Brass and it is unbelievable. Yeah. The solo brass is better than the ensemble brass. But if you get the solo brass, you can play, you know, four notes still. And it sounds like an ensemble. It's just one playing for but you can put them you can stack them and layer them and it's just yeah so for a lot of our listeners out there who may be more on the you know entry level budget conscious are there any recommendations you would have for somebody like them who maybe doesn't have two grand to spend on like a a string library i mean most of them are probably five or six hundred dollars which is still i mean you need a budget for that stuff Yeah, yeah, yeah but i feel like i mean something i tell a lot of people it's like if you want to like sometimes people send me stuff. Hey, listen to this. What do you think? And I'm like, the ideas are actually really good. I'm like, I could just, that's those strings. Like if you had a better string library or if you just had a better. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. sometimes it's like you get what you pay for and your production level, even if you do the exact same thing, the production level of what you do is going to be higher if you pay for better samples and better sounds. And that's just the truth. I do have to mention Cinebrass Pro, the 12 horn ensemble patch is my go-to, like the best Horn or brass patch that I Cinebrass Pro Cinebrass is the company. Cinebrass Pro, no, it's Cine Samples. Cine Samples, okay. But Cinebrass Pro, the twelve horns is like unbeatable. But anyways, that was just a free little nugget. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, we're here for the I nuggets. I will tell you this, the nuggets, man. The I love budget nuggets. thing. You asked me that because this is, I think, 
unbelievable. There's, you know, orchestral tools. Yeah, we have that, their the string br- runs and some of the other okay, stuff. Okay, yeah. so they have Berlin strings and Berlin brass. But they just released a library called Inspire. And it's like $250. Wow. And you get portions of their Berlin strings, Berlin brass, piano, percussion, like kind of across the board, a full orchestral like sample. But you actually get a lot for what you're paying for. So I don't know how they did that. Like you get long notes, like staccato, legato. Like you kind of get a bunch of stuff. And I almost think like that's all most people would really ever need unless yeah, you're yeah. in-depth scoring. Yeah. So for 250 bucks to kind of get the cover Inspire all pack. of it, there's no choir in there, but everything else, it's like... For that, well, I mean, they just call you and you sing yeah. notes. Yeah, I mean, you right? do, I'll just, just go, sample that part of the podcast. Just, yeah, I'll just go... <laughs> <laughs> just chromatic walk up. You take the notes yeah. you want. Sample it. Exactly. Just done. <laughs> Pull it out. You guys can pitch it. It all works. Yeah. So, man, let's talk about workflow a little bit. You said, are you in Pro Tools? Mm-hmm. So, we've kind of adopted a bit of a weird system. I started in Logic. X has been in Pro Tools for forever. So, I learned Pro Tools and he learned Logic. So, okay. we're back and forth a bunch. A lot of our producers out there are maybe sort of in the same realm. But when you pull up... Like, what's your first thing you do when you pull up a session? Let's say you're going to go try to make a a score for a Quantico trailer or something. Like, yeah. do you have like a template you go to? Even if I am not going to use this, this is what I do first, almost out of habit. I don't even think about it. New stereo master track, new click track, 10 instrument tracks. And this is, that's, <laughs> that's just no matter what you're doing. That's yeah. just how you start. I've fallen into a very programming role, you know? I've recorded real drums once in the last two years. And it's just because cinematic and hip hop stuff and pop, like it's all programming, you know what I mean? And every once in a while, I'll use, you know, some kind of, you know, like easy drummer or superior drummer or something with it just to make it feel heavier, you know? Yeah, I just, I do more programming. So I know I'll use 10 instrument tracks and I'll probably at least add 90 other ones (laughs) before I'm done. (laughs) Like I'm very heavy into contact, you know, but every once in a while I'll use... Omnisphere or something like that. And you're in Pro Tools 12. Mm -hmm. So my experience with Pro Tools and programming is that it just doesn't handle a whole lot. Has that changed since 12? No, I mean... Are you just committing stuff constantly? No, I'm really not. I feel like Pro Tools, like up till Pro Tools 10, yeah, I was like getting eight maybe. And then I would have to bounce everything the long way. You know, (laughs) now obviously with commitment stuff, I feel like now... I run 50 instrument tracks and it plays them fine. I mean, 50. Yeah, or That's more. Impressive. I mean, and I'll wow. I'll print them in if I'm going to do more, but a lot of times I have more than that. I think when was that big like overhaul with Pro Tools? Was it 11, I think? 11, I think, was when they added the bounce in place and yeah, the 64 feature. bit thing. Yeah. And all that. 11 yeah. was the first 64 bit all AAX yeah. plugins. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're getting nerdy here, guys. We are. We're digging Sorry, deep. listeners. <laughs> Pro Tools 11 is the one where I think. I could start doing big sessions with MIDI programming and not have an issue. And I actually, just because of ease, I open a new instance of contact on every single track. I don't like route them channel one, channel two, channel three. And it's just... don't play all 16 instruments out of it or whatever. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to find. Because then when I have, if I have like, you know, 64 instrument tracks, there's four instances of contact and I got to go through each one and look for one. It was just way too confusing. So so you've got your 10 tracks, your click track and your stereo master. What do you do next? 
insert contact. <laughs> <laughs> like drums or string sounds I mean, or piano? Piano, or? probably. Yeah. I just, Is that your main instrument? Yeah, I'm a piano. I'm a mainly piano guy. So I think that's just how I think. That's yeah. how I work. Yeah. And it depends. Yeah, like I'll try to little melodies on piano, but sometimes I'll just pull up, you know, it's like piano strings are the one of those are the first thing I always go yeah. to. Yeah. Is there like a reference for you or some kind of inspiration that like when so when you're sitting down to like score something out, is there a brief for you that they're like they're looking no, for something specific? Or are you watching like, something or I never get like, hey, make something for Quantico or Prison Break or whatever it is. It's yeah. like just make something that sounds epic and cinematic and then we turn it in. And then you know, we just have a team of people that's pitching and working stuff, and then we get an email. Sometimes we'll get an email three days later. Sometimes it'll be three months later. But like, it'll just be like, oh, this this show requested that song. And it's always fun to see what show it is. And sometimes they want to use it for one week. Sometimes they want to use it for like six months. You know what I mean? So it's always a different use. They always use different parts of the song and they have stems. So they can like, sometimes they use just the instrumental. Sometimes they'll use just like a vocal cue. Like it's, it's just fun to watch how each thing ends up where it goes, you know? And you you kind of mentioned beforehand that your process is usually working with like an artist writer who will, you know, you'll write some top line with it. Yeah, so they'll be the artist on the track. So basically, I try to make a track that sounds like a movie trailer instrumental. Yeah. And then we put lyrics over it and they're singing over it. Are you doing that before they get there? Or are you kind of doing that with them? Most of the time, it's right with them in the room. We just write the song right there. And they leave with it being a piano vocal like demo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next day or whatever, I build the track and make it, try to make it as massive as possible. <laughs> so is it like a two-day process for each of them? Or are you spending yeah. like... I'd say it's a two-day process. So, I mean... Are they singing the vocal down with just the piano reference and then you build the track around yeah, that but, vocal? Yeah, I mean, it depends. It's always different. Sometimes I've gotten close to finishing the track right in the session. Sometimes I have like at least a big drum and choir and piano and strings thing, but there's more that we'll add later. So enough to get them inspired. And yeah, up. like if it's really like, you know, I do enough to make them at least inspired, but it depends on how heavy I am in the writing process too. Cause some people it's like, we sit down and we write line for line together. Other people are like crazy lyrical geniuses and the whole thing's done in five minutes. And it's so good. And it's like, I don't even want to say an idea because what you just said was perfect. So I'll do yeah. the music. You do that lyrics. And, and it just depends who it is, right? I mean, yeah, it just depends on who's in the room and what they're thinking. So it's always different from that regard, you know? Sometimes the track happens faster than others and sometimes it comes later. So, how did you kind of maneuver into this being like your niche of where you're at? Because it sounded like you started with more bands and artists and stuff like that. So, how did you kind of come to this avenue? Well, you know, I was. I'm with Capital for a publishing mm-hmm. deal. So I started just writing for CCM and worship stuff. And then one of my trips, I didn't even know it was going on, but they were like, hey, there's a TV film camp happening this week. You know, would you like to try to do that? I'm like, something that Capital yes. was putting on? Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember like how, it, but it was <laughs> just kind of a random thing. Like, hey, do you want to try to do this? That might be cool. I was like, Yeah, like I've always loved movie trailer music, but I just never, I didn't spend a lot of time doing it because I didn't have anywhere for it to go. Like there was no outlet for it, so it'd be a waste of time. You know what I mean? So I had two days and one was with Sam and one was with an artist named Flurry. We just happened to, and they were new to it too at the time, you know, just starting. And we just did two songs, one with each. 
And both of them very quickly got picked up for like really big placements. And we we're like, holy cow. Like, you know, and so Capital was like, you should try to do this more. How do you feel about that? And it literally, since then, it's almost all I've done. <laughs> and then you said, yeah, because you were saying it's like 80% of your work now is in that cinematic film, yeah. TV scoring kind of thing. Yep. And then the other, you know, 15, 20% is more artist driven. Yeah. You know? Which one of those being NF, yes. which congrats, man, that, that stuff's huge. Thanks, man. I think we're both just blown away. Like, I mean, three years ago, he just put his first record out. Yeah. You know, not even three years ago. Just tell us the story with that. Cause yeah. I mean, that's like, I that's mean, something you we don't get to talk about a lot either on the show. Totally. That, that, you know, we just don't have a lot of people involved in that genre of music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've known Nate for a while. So way back in like 2010, 2009, something like that, he had a friend that sent me his old, like one of his old independent albums like that he had done. And I just remember listening to it thinking, man, like the production wasn't very good, but like I, I heard like, wow, this guy's like really good. And so at the time I was like, hey man, would you want to do a song together? And I like made some beat is probably horrible. And I sent it to him and he was like, I love that beat. That's one of the best beats I've ever heard. So we actually did a song together, him rapping in verse and then me and one of my friends who's a girl, we sang on the chorus and just, it was like 2010 or 2011. We just did that. So we kind of just, he came over one day, recorded it for a couple hours. So I knew him. We texted a couple of times over the next three years, like barely like, Hey man, how's it going? Good. How are you? And then the conversation would end. Like, yeah. but we're just keeping in touch. <laughs> so literally, dude, you know how I said I built that studio in June? Yeah. yeah. And it, like after a week. So that July, one month later, right after I built the studio, Nate texted me and was like, hey man, I'm actually passing through Grand Rapids tonight. I'm flying out of town for something. Do you want to hang out? And I was, usually I would have been like, oh man, I'm like I'm busy. I got work to do or something. Like I just, you know, the discipline, I usually didn't hang out a lot. But for whatever reason, that night I was like, yeah, man, like I actually just built a studio. It'd be fun to have you come and check it out. And I didn't know we'd work on something, but he ended up coming that night. It was that day. And we ended up doing a full song called Wake Up that ended up being on his first album. But we just did Wake Up that night. And then that ended up getting to labels. He had a few record deal offers. I came down to Nashville with him. He got signed as an artist. I got a publishing deal and like producing deal and like just kind of all that's kind of how that whole thing happened and it felt very fast and easy in a weird way like yeah. we were not in control of it it was a god thing and it was just like always still every time we get together we're like dude what if you didn't text me that one night yeah <laughs> like what if he hadn't texted me or wow. what if i said you know man i can't tonight or something you know like Literally that night changed both of our lives and we had no clue. Like you might not be sitting in this room. Yeah. I wouldn't be. That's crazy. Yeah. So can you talk about just even working with an artist like NF on, on a production level? Because there's a lot of our listeners who I'm sure are, you know, out there making beats, doing hip hop music and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. what, what's your workflow when you go into that kind of thing? Because I have to imagine that's different than when you set your mind to doing some scoring yeah. kind of thing. Something that makes a really good artist is like they know what they want and they know not to go outside of certain like walls that are not them. Yeah. You know? They know their strengths. Yeah, they know the strength. Things that like Nate likes emotional music. He likes, you know, a certain feeling that you could literally play the same chord, but depending on what note is on top, 
like that changes how he feels. You know what I mean? And so for a while, like, and we talk about this, like it was kind of like a struggle, like how to work together. Like, you know, I'd be the technical scientific dude being like, it's the same chord. Yeah. He'd be like, no, but you're playing that note on top. And so, you know what I mean? And so we'd the be- The inversion. Yeah, yeah the yeah. inversions, like the inversion matters. And I feel like over the last several years, like, I know Nate. I know exactly what he wants. I know what he likes, what he doesn't like. It's kind of just been this awesome synergy in a team now that we have. But like, it took a while to get there. Like we, you know, I was learning Nate, learning, oh, what inversions he does like, what sounds he doesn't like and all that stuff. It always starts different with him. And I love that. We usually, (laughs) he usually goes, hey, so you want to, pull up some strings. <laughs> so every song, every song. And we're like, okay. He's like, even if we replace them later, but we never do. <laughs> so we're like, well, what should we do? Like, let's go through sounds and just feel inspired. And sometimes we'll just go through and we'll hit one note with a sound and be like, dude, and the whole song comes from that one sound, that one note. You wow. know what I mean? And then he's a monster writer. He writes a lot of his stuff in the studio. Yeah. So he'll like be sitting on the couch writing. I'll build the track up. And I'll just be like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, and just work. He works. And it just happens very quickly, you know? Mm. As we're wrapping up, again, this being part of the production series, there's a lot of people listening who are maybe on the beginning of the spectrum or they've been doing it for a long time. But what do you say to people who are maybe trying to break into the biz? Like, I mean, obviously, we've got stuff like our music production mastery course. We've got our retreats that we do. Are there any other resources that you would point people to, to learn and develop and find mentorship? I don't know about resources. I think the best resource is like literally putting in the time. I mean, it's like hours and hours and hours and hours and hundreds and thousands of hours under your belt to like, you know, get there. There's no way you could watch a YouTube video and then all of a sudden just be able to play the piano better without practicing what you watched or, or make better beats just by you know, watching, like you have to put the time in mixing. Every time you do a new song, it'll just start to get better. You'll learn things as you go, what works, what doesn't. And I think that's, I mean, a lot of times if, you know, we hear these one in a billion scenarios where someone is found on YouTube and overnight they're like massive success. And like, that's just not reality. We can't think like, all right, I'm going to give my dream two months. And if it doesn't go full time, I'm just not going to do it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. do whatever you need to do to juggle multiple things. But when you're done with your one job, when you're fried, spend every second you're not in that job pouring into your craft, pouring in. And it's just time and time. And it might happen in one year. It might happen in 12 years. But you know what I mean? Like everyone's story is different. There's no formula. There's no way to get there. Like this is what you got to do, guys. One, two, three, four. You know what I mean? Like I think it's just work hard and... You know, however it's supposed to unfold in whatever timing it's supposed to unfold, I, I feel like it will. You know what I mean? If it's supposed to, and being okay with that too. Like no one wants less than their potential, you know, but sometimes we do want more and maybe that should be something we actually think about. Like I don't want more than I can handle or I should have, you know, like I, I want to be where I'm supposed to be, you know? Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. That's intense. I like it. Tommy, it's been amazing having you in the studio. People can find you online. TommyProfit.com. Is yeah. that right? Yes. That's a sweet name. Is that your real name, by the way? It is. Seriously? Tommy spelled two E's, though. Not and, a Y. And Profit's your last name? Yeah. I love it. You have the coolest Star name written ever. all over it right yeah. there. I love it. <laughs> well, dude, thanks yeah. for being here with us, man. I yeah, appreciate dude, thanks, it. guys. And welcome to Nashville. It's awesome. Many thank yous, my yeah. friend. Come on. <laughs> awesome. 
Hey, this is X O'Connor, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jericho Scroggins and Jordan Salamone. We always love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to leave us a review in iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We're always looking for ways to make the show better and to bring you all the best content that we can. This was just the first of our four-part production series. There's plenty more to come. We also have a few other production-based events happening outside of the podcast as well. So to find out about those things and to keep up with all things Full Circle Music, follow us on Instagram at OfficialFCMusic. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you all again next week.